0: In Your Corner, we're back at it, 1-855-821-5900 and uh, help at inyourcorner.ca as well to reach out to James, to Savan, any of the guys, anytime you like. Three ways to deal with an aggressive or bullying disability adjuster. Lots on the show today, as well a bunch of emails and questions to follow over the next hour. But first, guys, as we always start uh, the week that was, I think James has actually got uh, something to talk about this week as well, which is always interesting. But Savan, we're going to throw the ball in your court first, pal. What's going on?
1: All right, Johnny. Well, again, it was a very busy week. And let me read you a question that came my way. Uh, this, is, uh, this is from an individual who uh, I think lives around the Ottawa area. And here's his email. Thank you for taking my question. My wife is on LTD, long-term disability. If the company goes under, and he's referencing her her employer, right. does she lose her LTD? Question number two, she has a two-year term. And after that, they said that they will assess whether she can do any, dr- any job for which she was trained for What does that mean? So let's deal with question number one. If you uh, are entitled to LTD or if you're getting LTD and your employer goes under, goes bankrupt, whatever, something happens, it does not affect your long-term disability payments. As soon as you are qualified for LTD and start getting LTD, you are now dealing independently of the employer with your LTD insurer. Very, very important to understand. People think that there is this relationship. The only time I think that... What uh, We have to be careful in saying this is when the employer is the one paying the LTD, because clearly if the employer is the one who's supposed to pay that, and the employer is bankrupt, you're not going to get any money. Now, with respect to the second question, he's wondering about that two-year mark, right? And it's something we speak about all the time here, James and I. People need to understand, for long-term disability, for the first two years uh, of of being on LTD, the test for qualifying for LTD is essentially, can you do your own job? It's called the own occupation test. Can you do your own occupation, your own work? Beyond the two-year mark, the the, the, the test expands, and now the test becomes, can you do any occupation, not just yours, but any occupation for which you are trained for or have education in or, or mm-hmm. you know something that you can do that you are experienced in? Uh, and this is really important because a lot of people get cut off around that time or just before that, even though their doctors are saying that they can't actually do any other work. We see this a lot with psychological claims, people who are suffering from depression p t s d those kinds of illnesses and and issues and, and these individuals you know can they go back to their office job or to their factory or whatever it is they're doing no they can't, and they can't do anything else. they're centrally at home in bed they can 't do anything else, so a lot of people unfortunately get cut off at the two year mark or just before the two year mark, thinking that they 're only entitled for two years of ltd when that is in fact not the case. The vast majority of policies out there will go to age sixty five and there are there are you know uh, differences in in some policies and and you know James has outlined before that you know in some instances the test doesn 't actually change right You can have writers, you can have situations where you have a very good ltd policy. But the point is this, generally speaking, in LTD circumstances, for the first two years, the test is, can you do your own job? Beyond the two years, it's can you do any job for which you trained for or have education in or experience in? So read your policy,
0: basically, is what you're saying, right? Read your read policy, policy,
1: contact your HR uh, person to get a copy of the policy, and yeah, it's very policy-specific. There are generalities, but yes, it is very policy-specific.
0: 1-855-821-5900 and help at to reach out through email. James, uh, what do you got going on?
2: I, I really want to start out this week by giving a shout-out to Mike and Andrea, who are um, loyal listeners of both our show and the Employment Hour. And they have referred many uh, of their friends and coworkers to our firm for both employment and disability issues. I'd also like to talk about another case that I have coming up very shortly and what it reveals about something we talk about almost every week on this show. Mm -hmm. And this is the appeal process. So as Mike and Andrea well know, as loyal listeners, we every week will tell our listeners, do not appeal. If you are denied or if you are cut off, don't appeal. And a case that I have coming up is almost a perfect illustration of why. So this gentleman that I'm representing had a very, very serious accident many years ago. Several surgeries, somehow managed to get himself on his feet and work what was a pretty physical job for many, many years, but with significant pain. Right. To the point where it was very clear to everyone around him, including his family doctor, his pain management specialist, his clinical psychologist, his massage therapist, everyone is telling him, you can't keep working. His supervisor is telling him, you can't keep doing this wow. to yourself. So finally, he stops working. He applies for disability. He's denied. I wish he had come to us right away because we might be a lot closer to resolution or we might be resolved by now, but he didn't. He appealed. After appealing, he got opinions from his uh, family doctor and from his psychiatrist that said very clearly he should have stopped working years ago. He will never work again. Wow, no kidding. Clear as day. First appeal denied. Second appeal, more of the same from his own treating doctors, and then... Doctors for this insurance company, I won't say which one it was, but doctors for the insurance company said, yes, he's got serious chronic pain. And one of them even went so far as to say, yeah, I'm not sure that he should have been working. They've acknowledged it. Their own doctors have acknowledged that he shouldn't be working. And guess what they did? Second denial. Second denial indeed. Yes. So when we say don't appeal, this is why. You're wasting your time. So he came to us and hopefully we're going to get it resolved very soon. But this is a perfect illustration of why we say week in, week out. Don't appeal. You're wasting your time. 1-855-821-5900,
0: 1-855-821-5900, help at inyourcorner.ca. Lots more of the show is on the way. We'll get back to the week that was and, uh, and lots more. Send your emails over help at inyourcorner.ca. By the way, it continues right here on Global News Radio. one 821 5900 is the number anytime. Get a hold of the guys. Uh, James Savan, member of the team at the firm, and help at inyourcorner.ca. Reminder, we are on uh, Global TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 with In Your Corner, the uh, televisual feast the three of us host. Looking good on TV, by the way, boys. If you've never caught the show, make sure you catch it uh, some Sunday where you're free. It's at seven thirty. So, uh, so there, eight thirty. Pardon me. Um, okay, we're going to get into three ways to deal with an aggressive or bullying disability adjuster. We can think of several, but these are the legal means. Uh, but first, though, Savannah, you have another week that was to to, uh, to talk about.
1: I do actually, John, there. and I. You know what? I lied. Just um, right. I, I told you I only had two uh, things to talk about, but now comes. that James had comes. mentioned his previous case about appeals. I was just actually emailing this morning with a lady uh, who was just uh, denied her LTD claim. And of course, I was telling her the same thing. Don't mm-hmm. bother appealing. And so what does she email me back? Uh, and this just happened this morning. She asked me, is there a timeline or a time limitation for appeals? So, you know, listen, it's a legitimate question. Yep. Again, people are, and by the way, she was told by her doctor that she should appeal. Bad advice, okay? Go to your doctors for medical recommendations, diagnoses. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Not legal advice. <laughs> no. And I, I just think that the doctor doesn't understand the process. Yep. That's all. He didn't have any ill uh, you know, thoughts, feelings, or, or intentions. Uh, so uh, l- let me move on to a question that was posted on one of our websites, mydisabilityquestions.com. So this was sent from, uh, from Nancy. And here's what she writes. She says, good day. My LTD was approved on March 13th for severe depression and anxiety. On March 25th, okay, less than two weeks later, the adjuster is forcing me to start the return to work program. I feel it is too soon and I'm not ready at this time to consider working. Why would the insurance company force me so soon when I hear of other cases where after a year the insurance company starts the return to work program? Is it fair that the insurance company is forcing me so soon after I was approved Mm. for LTD? Now, I have never seen a situation like this where less than two weeks after approval for LTD, and we're dealing here with a psychological issue, that the insurance company, the adjuster, is now saying you have to try to go back to work. So first of all, the insurance company cannot force you to go back to work. What they can do is they can tell you if you don't try a gradual return to work program, we're going to cut you off. Okay. Good luck to them with that if your doctors are saying that you are disabled. We can fight them and we can force them to the table to pay you what you're owed. Uh, but in this case, and James, maybe you have some thoughts on this, I actually can't imagine a situation or any reason or any basis for why the insurance company would tell this lady, less than two weeks after she was approved for LTD, now you have to start to to try to go back to work. Any ideas? is. Well, I've got a pretty good idea why. Other trying... than the fact that it's an LTD insurer and, you know. They're
2: trying to save money. I mean, it's the same but thing. But it's we... so
1: egregious, it this is. situation.
2: No, no, it, it clearly is. And... You know, frankly, whoever made that decision, I I don't know what they're thinking. If If that's what they were going to do, they just shouldn't have approved in the first place. Right. And I'm not saying, you know, I wish that they hadn't. I'm glad that they did, because they've just put themselves in a terrible position. They've acknowledged total disability two weeks before and are saying two weeks later, now you have to start going back to work, which is just a fundamental misunderstanding of what a mental health claim is. You know, if you're expecting that in two weeks, severe depression and anxiety is going to resolve, then you have no idea what you're talking about, and you're not competent to be handling that kind of a file. You just simply aren't. And they're exposing that. It's unbelievable that they're doing it, and this lady's case is going to be very strong as a result because they're just going to look foolish.
1: And by the way, I mean, let's not forget, let's put this in context, LTD claims don't start immediately when you become disabled. There is an elimination period. What is an elimination period? Usually it's about 90 days. You know, it's a few months after your disability has risen. Six months sometimes, which is why usually in many instances you have short-term disability or you have EI sick benefits that you go on. So this person was approved for LTD not because she just became disabled, you know, a day ago. It was months and months ago, and then she gets approved, and then less than two weeks later she gets cut off. We would have a field day here cross-examining the adjuster.
2: And keep it, keep in yeah. mind, by the way, you know it isn't as though um, for in most cases anyway, where you know someone has a physical injury as a result of trauma, you know the date that it started. Mental health claims typically, in most cases evolve over many, many years so that they, you know, have been disabled from working for the entire elimination period to the point where the insurer acknowledges total disability plus whatever built up to that. And now they're saying two weeks later,
0: okay, you're ready to go back to work. I mean, come on, who are you fooling? It's like they said the letters at the same time, like two weeks is nothing.
1: Yeah, you know, the first thing that came to mind when I was reading this is maybe there was a different adjuster two weeks, you know, two weeks later with a different opinion. Missed something. But that's not what happened here. It's the same individual. So what, what happened? I mean, what, again, what can change a person's mind, an insurance company's mind? But you know, th- this leads us again to the point that don't take what insurance companies do and say at face value. They are there to make money. And one of the ways they make money is to not give you money that you are owed. And that's what people need to understand. If you walk away from that money, you are walking away from money that is owed to you. Remember, premiums were paid for you to get that money to get that money when you are disabled and unable to work. And when we get involved and we take over communications with the insurance company and when we get their file and go through everything, you know, with a fine-tooth comb, we see all the mistakes, we know how to apply that pressure now on them, that pressure that we can exert to get them to the table to pay exactly what they owe and sometimes even more. It may not be uh, incompetent adjusters, but it definitely
0: is aggressive. or bullying adjusters and disability cases, we'll get to that. Three ways to deal with them as we uh, come back and take a short break. It is 1-855-821-5900. Help at inyourcorner.ca as well. This is In Your Corner on Global News Radio. In Your Corner, yeah, we're back. 1-855-821-5900 is the number. Help at inyourcorner.ca. All right, guys, three ways to deal with an aggressive or bullying disability adjuster. This uh, probably comes up quite often in your business. I would imagine you guys got to deal with it. Going to go right into number one of three, ask for the manager and request a different case manager for your claim. Sure. So, you know, you may be wondering why bother asking for another
2: case manager adjuster because they all ultimately have the same objective, which is to cut you off. And that's true. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's much more pleasant to deal with someone who isn't going to be aggressive and rude and who is going about their job in a respectful way. That's what we would prefer, even if there is someone who is opposed with us. When we have cases with opposing counsel, I know that they're working against me, and that's fine. That's their job. But I would much rather deal with someone who's pleasant. So, first of all, this is a life lesson. This isn't just about what to do in an insurance situation. In any situation, if you want something, ask for it. You're not likely to get something that you don't ask for. And so if you are not enjoying your interactions with your adjuster because they're being rude and aggressive, ask for another adjuster. They may well just comply right away. But here's a really important thing to remember. If your adjuster is being rude and aggressive and that's becoming a problem, you want to make sure that that's recorded somewhere. Right. If you don't ask for it, you can't down the ro- down the road say, "Oh, this aggressive treated me." Sorry, this adjuster treated me terribly, and you know this was a big problem all the way through. And there's no notations anywhere in the file okay. that you ever asked for um, another adjuster, or you ever made any complaints about how you're being treated. So make sure that you ask for it. You know, there's nothing bad that can come of it, and more than likely, you know, you're at least going to have the chance
0: of getting someone new on the file does a an aggressive/bullying slash bullying adjuster often in you guys experience end result i mean someone who's often disability is weak they're not at their strongest guard so the bullying adjuster is like you know you're getting back to work and that's all there is to it i mean they could they could overwhelm somebody who should not be going to back to work right
1: they can and they often do right. a- and that's that's the number one you know complaint that i get from people it's not so much that they've been uh, cut off or forced to do this or that it's just the behavior of the person right. on the other line when they're not uh, strong you know, yeah, when they're not strong and, and You know, I'm telling you, John, every day I am emailing and corresponding with individuals, not in Toronto, I'm talking about across the province, and in BC, people who are are crying, who are telling me that they can't sleep at night because they just, they're fretting over these conversations, and, you know, their doctors are trying to help them, and these adjusters... uh, they're making things worse they're making and in fact it's it's counterintuitive because if they're trying to get these individuals better and back to work they're doing the exact opposite but their strategy if you think about it is just to shake you off the claim and if they make the experience very unpleasant for you well then there is a higher right. chance you're going to just walk away
0: how to deal with aggressive or bullying adjusters three ways. Here is number two, and this dovetails nicely to what James just mentioned. That is confirm your request in writing as well, all of your
1: correspondence with the insurer. Write it down, write it down, write it down, right? So this goes back to something that James has actually said quite a few times on the show, which is confirm in writing. Email is fine. Just make sure that if you made a request uh, for another adjuster, confirm that we request a in writing. Have a record of it, yeah. exactly. Remember, uh, don't assume that... The fact that you've made that request that that's going to get recorded on the other side in their file. It may, but it may not. Or they may characterize that as something different than what you actually said. And this one you have to be a little bit careful about, uh, but make sure
2: you confirm the reason why you want another adjuster. And so your complaints about the demeanor of the adjuster. Now, you do have to explain why it is and how they've been acting, but you want to be careful not to overreach or exaggerate. Um so if it's something to do with their tone or you know how loud they're talking to you or specific language put that in and be as precise as you can right. but don't embellish just put the facts down exactly yeah, and and, and
1: John you know what it's very important to, to make sure people understand we're not painting all adjusters with the same brush in fact we've had shows here where we've discussed how you should be careful not getting too cozy with adjusters because some of them can actually yeah, be very really nice. friendly. Yeah. exactly and, and you know sometimes they'll have ulterior motives for that but mm-hmm. sometimes they're just genuinely nice and good people right, right? i mean it, it's not their gig. all adjust- it's their gig it's what they do right i mean they have a job to do But it's very important that if you're requesting something, I agree with James, make sure that not only you're requesting it, that there are rationales, there are reasons. Just assume that that email you've just sent is going to lend before someone else, a third party, be it a judge or be it a manager, someone. How would you want that third person to view your email? Does your email appear reasonable? Does it look like you're, you know, just just uh, uh, hyper-inflating things? I mean, w- what does it look like you're doing? So you just want to make sure that you take the time to draft the email that you, you know, with the information you want to convey. Three ways
0: dealing with an aggressive or bullying disability adjuster. Number three, right here, tell your doctors how the adjuster's aggressive or bullying behavior is impacting you, and make sure they record it in their notes as well. This is critical, especially if the
2: reason that you're on disability is related to a mental health issue. If you're suffering from depression or anxiety and you have an adjuster who's bullying you and that's aggravating your condition, your doctor needs to be aware of it. And I'm not just talking about for legal purposes. For medical purposes, your doctor needs to be aware of the reasons why your condition is getting worse despite treatment. Not to mention the fact from a legal perspective, it's of course relevant if an adjuster who is aware of your mental health condition is actively doing things that aggravate and exacerbate that condition. That needs to be recorded, not just with a request to the insurer for a new adjuster, but with your doctor so that there is a record that you have sought out additional treatment as a result of the way the adjuster has treated
0: you. I can see that because if you start, you know, if your health begins to fail even more as a result of this adjuster, the first thing the insurance company is going to say, well, did you tell your doctor? Did you let them know
1: about your condition worsening? You better you exactly. should have right yeah, that's absolutely true, p- true. Yeah. absolutely true and and you know on on a side note again I've been corresponding with somebody and this this person is from BC and they've been uh, undergoing treatments with their own treating professionals and at the same time they've also gone to a clinic that was uh, recommended to them by the insurance company right. and that clinic is not helping things in fact they're being a bit bullish and and you know they they're creating stress and so I've been advising this lady what to do and, you know, same kind of thing is with an adjuster, except that this one is with the clinic referred to by the insurance company. Mm-hmm. This lady now wrote to the insurance company, the adjuster, how uh, this clinic is aggravating her situation, and she's now gotten letters from her psychologist and family doctor about how that clinic is actually making her situation worse. So, again, it's a strategy of, of making sure that the insurance company understands, uh, the, the, you know, the impact of this behavior on you, the, the, the you know, the... the uh, negative behavior You're that bad. is great. Sorry, the negative impact, exactly. Very, very important to document this, both in an email to the insurance company and with your treating professional. We'll
0: slide over to some emails after a short break. Help at inyourcorner.ca and the phone number anytime, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. This is In Your Corner on Global News Radio. It is 1-855-821-5900. Anytime, get a hold of the firm, James or Savan, member of the team, no problem. The email address that you use all the time and we're going to get to right now is help at inyourcorner.ca. First one for the day. Renata says, I've been struggling with depression and eating disorders for uh, for a very long time. I've been on long-term disability for over two years now and despite everything, I still have very bad days and still can't get out of bed most days. My psychiatrist has me on new medications, and I'm seeing a nutritionist now. My insurance company says that their doctor reviewed my file and thinks that I should be on some medication that my doctors do not agree with. But my insurance company says that if I don't agree to take it, they'll cut me off and stop paying me. Can they do that? Well, can they do that? Yeah. They can do
2: that. (laughs) Are they legally justified under the policy? No. No, absolutely not. Uh, They cannot tell you what medication you're supposed to take, and nor should you. If your doctors are saying no, then you don't do it, full stop. You don't listen to your insurance company for medical advice. And I say this every week, and I'll continue to say it every week. Your doctors are the ones that are going to direct your medical care, period. Now, a few other issues here. First of all, um, th- this is Renata. She's been on long-term disability for more than two years, mm-hmm. which means that they are paying her beyond the own occupation period, which Savon talked about at the outset of the show, into the any occupation period, yes. which means they have acknowledged that she is totally disabled from working in any occupation. Still. Still, right beyond the two-year mark. Got it. And so if they're trying to cut her off now, because of the medication issue, they're going to have to be able to justify that even though they know that she's totally disabled, she—they're not going to continue giving her the benefits because she won't agree to take medication that her own doctors say she should not take. So here's what Renata, here's what you have to do: you have to make absolutely sure that this is in writing. This is critical. You need to push back on them and say, "Okay, I'm going to summarize what you've just told me in writing in an email." You've told me that unless I agree to take whatever this medication is, you're going to cut off my benefits. You also understand, as I've told you, that my own doctors have advised me that I should not take this, it is, medically, it is not medically justified for me to take it, and it will, in fact, make my condition worse. Despite this, you are saying, if I don't take this, you will cut off my benefits. And that's it. You send that email to them and you see what kind of response they get. If they cut you off, they cut you off, but they are exposing themselves to significant punitive damages over and above what they're going to owe you for the policy. If they see that and they realize that they're busted, then at the very least they're going to say, oh, no, no, we didn't mean that you had to take it. We're not going to cut you off. You follow your doctor's advice. Great. Then you continue receiving your benefits. But either way, no, they cannot force you to take something your doctors are saying you should not take, nor should you ever even consider it. I like this, James, today this is yeah, a fire job I awesome, like this right? James
0: I want this guy in my corner hey for sure hey uh, okay question guys so and and this this is probably something that wouldn't have come up maybe 10 or 15 years ago but uh your Ltd insurance company gets hold of your social media your account your Facebook your insta whatever it is they see you on vacation maybe having a party or going to a party once in a while there's always happy you know shiny people on on social media can they cut
1: a person off because of that they can they can John and but it depends it depends on the situation remember what James said they can cut you off for really any reasons. Right. The question is whether or not they're legally justified. And in fact, in many instances, when people come to us, we find that they're not legally justified in taking the position they've taken. Now, with social media, again, people want to put you know, their best foot forward. They, they want to make sure that the world sees them as, as happy. That's mm-hmm. usually what you see, right, on social media, yep. on Instagram, on Facebook, etc. You know, if you're saying, if your claim is that you have some physical disability, you can't sit or stand for more than five minutes, and you've just posted that you went fishing and caught this amazing pike or salmon and been fishing for you know for for like 5 hours or you know you post pictures of yourself playing volleyball what do you think's going to do i mean right. it, the insurance is going to do what do you think a judge is going to do if they saw that so listen we're talking about situations where insurance companies access somehow your social media account and what happens if they download pictures or videos or whatever it is that they have and it misrepresents really your real condition. In other words, uh, you have a picture there of you celebrating somebody's birthday or a wedding that doesn't really, ta- that doesn't really say anything about your, your mental state necessarily, doesn't say anything about your physical state, but they are turning that around against you and saying, look, we can see that you're happy, you had a good time, clearly you can go out, therefore you are mm-hmm. not disabled. Well, that's, that's you know, it's a stupid argument to make, but they'll make that argument, they'll use that to try and cut you off. Look, the advice is this. If you have an LTD claim or even an injury claim, you want to, you know, as much as possible, minimize your social media uh, stuff that, that you do. Just go black for a while. If, yeah, I mean, not, not that you're going to do, do anything you shouldn't be not doing, but because, just in case. Exactly, right? not the tr- hassle. Exactly. Not because you're trying to lie or because you're trying to misrepresent, but right. because the insurance company is going to look through that stuff to find anything yeah. that they can sink their teeth you into. You don't need the dray. Yeah. You don't need it, exactly. Right. Or Or turn on the privacy settings. The point is insurance companies are going to try, in fact, they're going to, That's it's a fact, they're going to go through your social media profiles, they're going to Google you, they're going to do whatever they can to try and find anything that they can use to justify cutting you off.
2: So I, I agree with just about everything that you're saying, just about. Just about. <laughs> uh, there is nuance to this, though. Um, when you're dealing with a mental health claim, especially right. depression, anxiety, you know, you're your treating doctors are almost always going to tell you it's a good idea for you yeah, to don't go be a out. shut in, right? Yep. To go out and to try to have some fun, try to enjoy life. And so, yes, yeah, so you're right. Is a picture of you, you know, having a beer with some friends? Is that going to defeat your claim? Probably not. It becomes a little bit murkier when you have an issue about being in public places or being around other people. And if they have pictures of you at a party, well, that's optically not great. No, (laughs) You know, it might be what you're supposed to be trying to do, but the optics of that are not great. Mm -hmm. And so we had Chris Williams, was it the uh, the investigator? Yeah, he was great. Yeah, no, he was fantastic. His recommendation was, I think he said, go dark. Now, I'm a little bit more realistic about what my clients are prepared to do. I think social media is such a part of people's lives these days that even if I tell people, get off social media, they're probably not going to listen to me. Mm -hmm. But what you said before is, you know, at the very least, what you ought to do, look at your privacy settings, make sure that nobody who you haven't given permission to can see your account. And just as importantly, um, especially on Facebook, I'm not entirely familiar with all of the social media platforms but on facebook there's certainly a privacy setting that you can uh, that you can choose that will prevent anybody from posting anything whether it's a picture or a comment on your wall without you approving of it Got first it. make sure that you engage that setting so that nobody could be adding things without your approval
0: We'll take a, a short one, guys, get to more emails here. It is help at inyourcorner.ca. The phone number, as you want to write this down, keep it one 855 821 This is In Your Corner on Global News Radio. The email address is help at inyourcorner.ca. We are on uh, TV as well. Global's uh, seventh uh, probably Sunday at 8.30 in the morning. Want to catch uh, In Your Corner. You can also uh, leave questions there. There's also the phone number all the time, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 Andrew, next one up here with an email, guys, says... Uh, I had a very bad back problems, or I had bad back problems for a few years now, and it's gotten worse, with the type of job that I do, which is very physical. I was on long-term disability for about a year, and a few months after my back surgery, I tried to go back to work, but it only got worse for my back, and now my knees are giving out. My insurance company says that if I haven't really tried to go back to work because I was only there for four days before I had to stop... They think I should have been there for at least a few weeks, but there's no way I could have done that. They said that my benefits will stop in June if I don't try to go back again, which my doctors tell me, big surprise, I shouldn't do. I'm afraid of what will happen if I don't try to go back. I can't afford not to get my disability payments, guys. Any suggestions? Andrew, I appreciate the email. One thing I would
2: ask you, though, is you know, why are you so afraid about what will happen if you don't go back? Your doctors are telling you you shouldn't go back. I think what you really ought to be afraid of is what happens if you do go back. I appreciate that your financial situation is one where you can't afford to lose your disability benefits. And that's something that we can help you out with. But what you really can't afford to do is make your back condition, which is already required surgery, it's already put you in, under the knife. You can't afford to make that worse. Because if you do, that's going to affect you for the rest of your life. You have to listen to your doctors. I've already said it on the show once. I'm happy to say it again. Maybe I'll say it a third time later on. Your doctors are the ones who are directing your medical care. And if they're telling you not to work, you can't go back to work. Now, the good news is you've got a heads up on when they're doing this. They've told you that they're going to pay you out at least until June. So we can get the ball rolling now. I'm not going to tell you that there's any guarantee that we're going to be able to resolve it before they've told you they're going to cut off your benefits. It's possible it may take longer than than that, maybe even a few months longer than that. But it's certainly going to happen a lot sooner if we get things started now. And there's every chance that we can get it resolved within a few months of them cutting off your benefits. Because if if you've had surgery and your doctors are saying that you shouldn't go back, and you've tried to go back and you weren't successful, then you've got a very strong claim. So there is a lot that we can do with this. It isn't perfect, but that's the situation most people are in when they're dealing with long-term disability insurers.
0: Sidebar, Savan, Canada Insurance Company, looking ahead until June, That's that's not exactly tomorrow, can they crystal ball, that far ahead and say, oh, we're cutting you off?
1: They do. They, and I've, I've had a case before where they've done that 11 months in advance. And in wow. fact, we started a legal claim and okay. we concluded the legal claim before the person was nice. even cut off. Now, what's interesting to me about Andrew's email here is that you know he tried to go back, albeit only for a few days. And so what he's done here, in a way, I think maybe perhaps inadvertently, he's... he's uh, uh, He's essentially inoculated himself against the argument that he didn't try to go back. You know, often we see insurance companies saying, well, you haven't really tried, so how do you know? In this case, he's actually tried and failed. And for them to say that he didn't try hard enough, that is an insane argument to make. Absolutely insane. And I actually think that in this set of circumstances, if they cut him off, in fact, despite everything, despite what the doctors are saying, I think they actually are opening themselves up to a you know, bad faith claim here. This is one of those cases where we actually may be able to get for, for Andrew more than just what he's owed under the policy, but above and beyond that, money to punish the insurance company for their conduct.
2: The, the telling him that they'll cut him off in June part of it doesn't necessarily offend me. Uh, we're talking a matter of a few months, and I don't know all of the details of this case, and it's quite possible that June might well be the change of definition at the right, two-year mark. Right. Good call. And so it's, it's quite possible that they're saying after that point, you're no longer going to meet it. There are also other circumstances, you know, 11 months in advance. How can you possibly know? Absolutely. Um, there's certainly an argument there. So sometimes um, there's at least a rational reason for doing it in advance, and sometimes it's just absurd.
0: Can the insurance companies, have they in the past, can they be so bold or, or or wacky to say, you know, you need to go back to work now, we're cutting you off. And then the guy tries, like in this case, four days in, doesn't do it. And the insurance company will turn around and say, well, what did you go back to work for? Now you've just made your condition worse. Because they, there's situations like that, right? Where they try to go back to work and say, oh, well, you shouldn't have done that. We've and seen you know, everything, more
2: I haven't seen that. <laughs> I haven't seen that, but it won't shock me the day right. that I do. You know? Um, no, I've seen, I, I've had a client that was forced back to work. And it w- clearly, she shouldn't have gone. Her doctors were telling her not to. And she she wound up fainting because of it and suffered a concussion. Uh, but they certainly never argued
1: that they that she shouldn't have gone back to work. Yeah. They knew it was their fault. Yeah. And they paid for it, believe me. Well, I've seen a situation, John, where actually this is going back to uh, uh, another email or question that you had before, where the insurance company's doctor said, well, you should be trying this medication. And that was contrary to whatever that person's treating right. doctor was saying. But she decided to try it and okay. she had an adverse reaction. I, think, I remember the adjuster actually writing, you know, but if your doctor said don't do it, then why did you end See, up doing it? that's what I'm talking about. 100%. <laughs> because, you know, here's the thing. See. You're not necessarily dealing, and again, I don't want to paint all adjusters with the same brush. You're not necessarily dealing each and every time with the most sophisticated individual right. on the other side. Okay? Yeah. So these adjusters are doing their job. They're handling how many files? 100, 200, 300 at a time? You're a number. You are a number. They don't know your file inside out Mm -hmm. in the majority of instances that I've dealt with adjusters. And, you know, they are doing what they think is correct. And, you know, more than once I've had a situation where after we've resolved the file, you know, again, the defense lawyer and I just chat about the case off the record and the comment that was made to me, I don't know what this adjuster was thinking. <laughs> Not the one that came to the mediation to right. resolve the, the claim, original? but the, the original one. Yeah. And, and you know, that's often what we find. Yeah. We think to ourselves, what are they thinking? Mm-hmm. But for the ordinary person out there who is dealing with these adjusters day in and day out, who are stressed about their interactions with these adjusters, they assume that these, you know, whatever these adjusters say is the word of God. It's gospel. Yep. Yeah, they assume that the insurance company, whatever they say, we have to do. No, you don't. That's why you should be checking with us, and we can tell you what your rights are.
0: The number, 1-855-821-5900, help at inyourcorner.ca. We'll take a short break. Uh, a few more minutes left to go this hour, and we'll get to another email uh, when we come back right here on In Your Corner on Global News Radio. The number to reach, uh, James Savan, uh, member of the team, no problem, 1-855-821-5900, help at uh, inyourcorner.ca is the email address. Joe, you're up next, pal. It says, I was denied my LTD claim. Because my insurance adjuster said that my disability is not severe enough, and I didn't try to go back to work. I'm 49, and I've developed a rare skin condition and light sensitivity that prevents me from going outside. I also have tremendous migraines. My neurologist and dermatologist both wrote the insurer saying that uh, I can't work. But apparently, that's not good enough. I don't know what to do. Is the insurance company right that I'm not totally disabled? Oh, one of these, James. Not totally disabled.
1: You know, it's 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 one of those uh, cases and we see this again quite often and this comes in many forms this denial. Uh, your disability is not severe enough. There is insufficient medical documentation mm-hmm. to support your disability. There are different phrases that an insurance company use. Look, it's really simple. If your doctors are saying that you cannot go back to work because you are disabled and they explain why, then you are disabled under the policy. It's that simple. Okay, when the insurance companies come back, you know, comes back and says there's just insufficient medical documentation. That's a very vague, uh, vague phrase. And really, what they're saying to you is that we just don't want to approve your claim. We're not sure exactly of the reason. Listen, John. In fairness, again to insurance companies, I, I have seen people apply for LTD with with almost no medical support. Right. They've sent in a letter that's literally a one liner that says this person is disabled. Right. I'm talking about cases like Joe's, for example, where, you know, he's got a a certain condition, a rare condition, but a condition nonetheless that disables him from working. And he's got doctors who are saying he cannot work. So for the insurance company to turn around and say, we're not going to pay you, we're going to deny your claim. It's, it's it's not right, it's unjust, it's something that we see day in and day out, and it's something that we challenge, and we challenge successfully day in and day out.
2: What I find interesting, though, is oftentimes we'll see them say that uh, there's insufficient medical documentation, which, as you pointed out, is a vague phrase. But then the sentence continues, to support a finding of total disability, which is a very specific and misleading phrase. And this is something that we talk about consistently on the show. Totally disabled does not mean you cannot get out of bed. It doesn't mean that you can't put on your clothes. You're in a coma. It means exactly what it says in the policy, which is in almost every case, you can't return to your occupation that you had at the time you became disabled or after two years, any occupation. It means what it says in the policy. It does not mean the way you might use it in casual conversation with your friends. If you were to say to someone, I'm totally disabled, that would mean one thing in casual conversation. It means nothing close to that when we're talking about long-term disability insurance.
0: It just means that you are disabled from returning to work. Does a disabled person have to travel hours, say five or six hours, just to see an insurance? I mean, I wouldn't travel that far to see a playoff hockey game, but do they have to do that for an insurance doctor for an assessment that's been arranged by the insurance company? That sounds absurd. No, next question. Okay, we're done. And we're done for the day. Have a good day. One eight five five. Like, seriously, do they have to do that? No, next question. That's it. <laughs> I you no, they no, don't.
2: That's ridiculous. So of what course do you tell not. them? No, you, you tell them absolutely not. Bring they, the doctor to me. No, if they have a specialist that is five or six hours away that they want to assess you, they can fly him in. You're not required to go five or six hours to get assessed by their doctor. Maybe if you live in none of it, but yeah. we're do- you know we're dealing with people who are living in Ontario right now. Yeah.
1: No, the answer is no. No, okay, but but before the person who's listening to this who's in this situation writes back to the insurance company says I'm not seeing this doctor be very careful in how you reply to the insurance company. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've done this before. In fact, I've guided quite a few individuals with these kinds of unreasonable requests. And what I tell people to say is, I am more than willing to go see that doctor or to be seen by that doctor, but here are my concerns. Right. And here's what I need you to do in order to allow that to happen. So, because if you don't do that and you simply say, I am not going to see that doctor, they're going to say, okay, well, you are now in breach of the policy right. in that you're refusing gotcha. to do something under the policy. So, you're not refusing it. You're simply saying, oh, I'm ball, willing just to different do it. Rules, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. You have to be reasonable in accommodating that request.
0: We'll get to uh, Sandy here. I think we got some time. Her email uh, says, My husband was told by his adjuster that he'll be cut off disability on October because October. That's because uh, that's when the two years will expire and he'll need to go back to work then. He's only 41, and I thought that he should get benefits after two years if he can't work anywhere. Isn't that right? His doctors confirmed that he won't be able to go back in the foreseeable future. He's very depressed and has mental health issues. What do we do now?
1: Well, again, this is something that uh, you know we've dealt with quite a lot. Sandy, I'm, I'm very sorry for what your husband's going through. Again, we deal with people uh, all the time and family members. Uh, you know of individuals who are suffering from mental health issues, and this is an instant again where the insurance company is saying we have a crystal ball, mm-hmm. and they're saying you know all these months from now we think that he's going to be able to go back and do some other job. Now I don't know what they have to support that. I don't know if they've had him assessed. I have no idea what they've done. But you know the reality is that. There's just no way that they can tell at this point if his own treating psychologist, psychiatrist, his own treating indivi- uh, uh, people who are dealing with him mm-hmm. are saying in the foreseeable future he's not going to be able to work. For the insurance company to say now that he's going to be cut off in October because they, they know better than what his own psychologist uh, is saying, again, I think is bad faith.
2: This goes back to what we were talking about earlier about you know the crystal ball sometimes if you're dealing especially with a strictly physical issue it might be appropriate to say listen you know you're not going to be able to return to your old job which was very physical and required you to lift 100 pounds at a time but you're clearly able to do sedentary work now and there's no reason to expect you won't be able to in the future that's one situation but that's not what we're talking about here here we're dealing with a mental health issue we're dealing with depression and depression doesn't follow a linear path It is not as though one can say, you know, a month from now, this is how you're going to be. And five months from now, this is how you're going to be. You can't crystal ball a mental health issue. You don't know how it's going to go. And saying that you do just reveals you don't know what you're talking about.
1: I completely agree. And that's it for a week, guys. TerminationQuestions.com.
0: If you have questions when the show is uh, not on air, there's also the uh, good old-fashioned phone call, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 5900 Help at InYourCorner.ca. Reminder as well, in addition to this show, we are on Global TV Sunday mornings at 8.30. Till next time, In Your Corner on Global News Radio.